And I'm just gonna, this might be a little bit fast, and if you don't get all of it, it's okay. But we'll go through, uh, we'll go through the, um, uh, just run through the, the sermons that we have already gone through in the Jew community. And so it all starts with sharing a common life. Uh, if we are in Christ, we share a common life with all believers. And so here's the verse that talks about this. Um, what we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you and we together share a common life. So this whole sermon is about the common life that we share together. Um, what life is that? It's a life which we share with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. So we share in a community relationship. We also share time together. We also share possessions together. Union with God. Being united with God. That's what the basis of our, our relationship can also, we can't have true fellowship together if we're not united to God, because that's the one that leads us together. God called us into a fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ, the Lord is faithful. And so it's this notion that we can't do anything unless it is God that does it through us, unless the Holy Spirit works it through us. We can't even come to God. Then the communion with God. Uh, Lee had this fantastic sermon a while ago. I'm still thinking about it. Where he talks about what we were made to be with God. He shares from Genesis of how God comes and dwells with him in the afternoon. Um, that we can have union with God. Uh, we can have communion with God. And actually, God wants to be with us. Um, if you've been a Christian a little bit of a while, we start working for God. And maybe not actually spending that much time with him. But God actually would like to spend time with us. We have the Psalm 24. One thing I ask of the Lord that I may seek, that I will dwell in the house of the Lord all my days, days of my life, and behold the beauty of the Lord, and meditate in his temple. Spending time with God, understanding how beautiful and wonderful he is. Fellowship and communion. That nobody is saved. As soon as you're saved, you're saved into a body. You get a function. So Paul says, though we are many, we are one body in Christ. Each, each individual members of one another. So if one suffers, everyone suffers. If one is, glory, is honored, all take joy in that. The fellowship is not just a fellowship around uh, computer games or soccer or something. It's a fellowship around Jesus. And so it has a, an encouragement that we should encourage one another with who God is. So from Hebrews, exhort one another daily while it's still called today, that we take time. It's okay to talk about different things, but it's also our, the part of the relationship we have is that we encourage one another in our faith. And then partnership in the gospel, we also spend some of our time and our money investing that the, that the gospel would go to the ends of the world. And Paul writes that he is just thankful for the Philippians to partner with him. And then Mars had the sermon on the spiritual gift. I really enjoy the, the view that the book takes that the, the gifts themselves are not the important part. It's how do they work inside the fellowship. So if you are a believer, you've been given gifts, spiritual gift, to encourage the body and for the common good. Uh, and those, the Holy Spirit gives those gifts of various kinds. Sharing your possessions. It's a fellowship where we look, where can we encourage somebody? Where is somebody in need? He, and the guy in the book, he uses this example of praying, where can I bless somebody? And then be a blessing to them. 
And last week we talked about how it's good for the church to support the person who is instructing people in the word. Today we're going to talk about the fellowship of suffering. And so Paul, he writes, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings. Um, I would like actually just to take time to read, read a little more of that than just that one verse. Um, so also, you're welcome to flip to the different places and follow along and see that I'm not making anything up, that the things are in the Bible. So uh, in, uh, in Philippians 3, Paul, he, he starts out, um, and the whole Philippians is about joy and rejoicing. So he says, uh, finally, my brothers, rejoice in, in the Lord. To write the same thing to you is no trouble. To, to, me, it is safe, to me, and it's safe for you. Then he goes uh, and talks about um, controversies about circumcision, um, and talks about all his, uh, all his, uh, what do you call it, merits of being a Jew. And then we get down here. Um, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteous, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings and become like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. So Paul is explaining how much, how much Christ is worth, that all of his religious background, that all of his achievements, he counts as nothing. It's a very, I've heard other people say, it's a very graphic illustration. He actually says it's like poop, all of his own uh, accolades. So what does this mean that we want to, that Paul wants to share in the suffering? So why suffering? Why even talk about suffering? Isn't suffering always something bad? Well, we live in a society with, where suffering has kind of been taken out of society. Um, I even know of some people who purposely seek suffering because maybe all they do is sit in an office and the only suffering they get is if the coffee is bad or if the elevator is out. Um, so people start seeking suffering. And so the... So how does that make sense? Like for me, I try to avoid suffering all I can because suffering normally hurts. Um, can suffering be helpful at all? Can it do good? And as Christians, are we expected to suffer? Going back to some of the people that for some reason climb mountains, go into jungles, do different things. We're gonna kind of come back to a verse later that talks about this where I think what some people are doing is that, okay, I got everything, I'm comfortable, there's just still no hope or meaning in my life. Everything has become comfortable, and you know what, there's no 
thing that keeps me going. There's no endurance. There's no molding on my character. There's really no hope. And so Paul, he goes, oh. so again, Paul says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his suffering. So it's not just suffering for suffering's sake, as you would see with all the verses. It's about Christ. It's about our understanding. It's about our understanding of who Christ is. Uh, the author has a very good quote. I think it's going to be there. If we decide to experience the fellowship of Christ, we must experience, expect to experience the fellowship of His suffering. So what does that mean? Well, I think what it means is also what Jesus talks about in, um, in John 16. One certain promise that Jesus gives us is, you will have trouble. He says more. He's encouraging his disciples in this, in, this, in this instance just before he has to die. But one of the things he says is, I have said these things that you may have peace in the world. So you may have peace in me in the world. But what happens? I promise you, you will have tribulation. But what? But take heart, I have overcome the world. So the author and Jesus are talking about we need to expect suffering. Maybe I would say even this week when we're when I'm not expecting suffering or tribulation it kind of takes me by surprise and I start complaining that I'm suffering. Start complaining have a bad attitude about it. Um, but what if we are expected to suffer? Would that change our mindset when different things happen? I looked up uh, suffering in an old dictionary. Normally it's a good dictionary because they have, uh, sometimes they have explanations about God too. Um, so if you're in doubt, this is what suffering means. Um, bearing, undergoing pain, inconvenience, damage, permitting or allowing. The bearing of pain, inconvenience, loss, pain and endurance. Distress, loss, or injured, suffering by pain or sorrow, by suffering by want or wrongs. It, as I was preparing, there is this. Uh, there's been a theological development over time of what suffering should be. The early church has a very strong focus on Christ, the example that we are supposed to suffer like Christ. Then you can see over time as church, as the church gets a different place in society, it is not as persecuted, it starts becoming something different. That now suffering is not exemplar as an example, you're not necessarily suffering for Jesus. In the in the old time the bishop um, the bishops were the, the bishops was the first people to die. That's what I meant to be this. When there was persecution, they would take out the head every time. Then you see some of the different things happening where bishops are not the first to die. They are powerful people and even corrupt and stuff like that. So over the time, as, as the church gets a different place in society, the different focus on suffering also changes. It becomes suffering day by day by one thing. And then at some point we reach a place where, well, Jesus did all the suffering, so now we don't have to suffer anymore. 
That would be fine, except the scriptures seem to say something totally different. Jesus promises that we'll suffer. Paul talks about how we are to expect to suffer. And the author says the same thing. But now, what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? Well, the Bible uses suffering 100, about 114 times in the Old and New Testament. And just a brief survey of how suffering is portrayed. In the Old Testament, God helps the people that are suffering. And he inflicts suffering on the people that hurt other people or rebel against him. In the Proverbs, we, it talks about suffering, um, how the fool suffers, but how, <coughs> how the one who trusts in God will be delivered. The Psalms explains what it's like to suffer. You get the emotions of what it feels like to suffer and how God can meet us in the suffering. The prophets are examples of people who suffer from God. They share God's word and they're rejected and some of them killed as they confront evil. But what about in the New Testament? Um, the New Testament challenges us with it's a privilege to suffer for Christ. We're supposed to rejoice in suffering. Suffering is necessary. There's a fellowship of suffering. It asks the question, is it a problem if we don't suffer? And don't suffer for the wrong things. And what, and what, is my, what determines my willingness to suffer for Christ? We're going to talk about a story, and you can follow, you can read it, uh, it more in detail. It's from Acts, and, and the apostles have just been arrested, and, and they are, um, I'll put it there, the, the apostles have just been arrested, and they're told to stop talking about Jesus. They're, they're, the, the Jews are really annoyed at them. Stop talking about Jesus. We have said, told you one time, stop doing it. They get into a discussion, and different things, and so, the, the Sanhedrin in a discussion and then at, at some point they, one guy says well, what if blah, 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 uh, you can read this to yourself but then it comes to this point where okay we're not going to obey you we're going to do whatever we're going to obey God and then they threaten them and then they beat them uh, here is where we use and when they called the apostles in they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teach, teaching and preaching that, Jesus, that Christ is Jesus. So as they're going from this meeting, they just got beat up. <laughs> they, got, they just got whipped or beaten. And they're going, yes, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We have been, we are worthy to suffer for your name. And what happens is that they're not going to stop because Jesus means so much to them. They know he's the Savior. They know he's the Messiah. So they keep telling people. Although the leaders have already told them to stop doing that and they just beat them for it. It always confronts me this passage of like, what am I like when I'm supposed to suffer? Or when I feel injustice, am I supposed to type angry words on Facebook because somebody, because somebody said something about my faith? 
are, should I... You can imagine different things of what is helpful and what is unhelpful. I think the challenge to us is if we expect this, if we even rejoice that we are worthy to suffer for Jesus' name, maybe our attitude towards opposition and suffering would be different. This is also, this is also an, uh, an, a good text and a good challenging text where, where, where Paul is going to ask us to rejoice in our sufferings. <clears throat> so in Romans 8, 5, 3, 6, not only that, but we rejoice in our suffering. Knowing that suffering produces endurance, and that endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. For while, when, for while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. This is the verse I was referring to earlier, when people start seeking out suffering. Because in a world where no suffering, but with no purpose, maybe I threw suffering, if this is true, and it is, through suffering, through enduring suffering, my character has changed. As my character is being changed, that produces hope. And the hope that we have is not going to put us to shame. The problem with other people is they never get that hope. It's always a hope that can be moved. Now I feel great because I climbed my Everest. Fantastic. Next time you're going to do it without oxygen and you might die. But you're not going to get any hope. Then it's going to be more crazy next time. Because you have a hope in you finding some kind of purpose. But here the suffering has a purpose, produces endurance, changes our character, and gives us a hope that's not put to shame. Why is it not? Because that hope is the Holy Spirit in us. And why? Why would Jesus suffer? Back to the point that's always going to be there. My kids know they if you don't know, it's just always Jesus. Answer is always Jesus in church. Most of the time you get it right. Because what is he referred to? He referred to while we were still weak, at the right time, Jesus died for the ungodly. Why can I rejoice in suffering, Paul asks. Because I was in darkness and sin. And just at the right moment, Christ died for me. It gets even better in the next place, Romans 8. Because Paul starts pressing now on us. He's encouraging us but also maybe it's going to challenge us there. He says, For you do not, you do not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received a spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bear witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs with God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided... We suffer with him in order that we also may be glorified with him. Ooh. 
What's Paul saying? Paul's saying, you got the Holy Spirit, the Spirit to encourage you, the living God inside of you. That's, a, that's, that's the down payment, the promise that you've been adopted into God's family. That now you're sons and daughters of the living God. But then it gets challenging. We become heirs with Christ. What did Christ do? Well, he suffered and died for us. He left an example for us. Washing the, washing the disciples' feet. He says, I lay down my life for my friends. You should do the same. Love one another. Love one another like I did. So Paul's encouraging us and saying, Full participation in Christ is also participating in His suffering, that we will also be glorified with Him. Now, the good thing is, is the next part. There's this. Uh, it's an old Danish uh, song that they that they sing at sometimes at weddings or maybe mostly at anniversaries. It's called, it's uh, so beautiful to uh, walk together. Ah, that's a bad translation. But the, 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 the main thrust in one of the verses is that when we are two together, the suffering become half. But when, we, but when there's joy, it's double the joy. It's this notion of like, when suffering is in a fellowship, there's a lot more shoulders to take that suffering. So let's look at what Paul writes. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. You know this from going to the bathroom in the night. And you hammer your toe into something. Your whole body is in pain. It's not like... Oh, uh, my, my ear doesn't care. No, your whole body screams, this hurts, this hurts. That's a big picture of us as a fellowship. If we're willing to live a life where we're in fellowship together, when we suffer, the suffering can be on more shoulders. But also, if, uh, if you win a game of something, I don't know, uh, let's say... If you, uh, if you win some kind of sport event or something, well, it's not just your hand that's going to get credit. It's, it's your whole body is going to get credit for it. So the same thing here. The same thing is when, when you are sharing Jesus with people, we all rejoice. We all rejoice when somebody comes to faith. It's not like, oh man, now Vlad has brought more people to faith than me. No, like, we, don't, we don't do that. We're just, you're just excited that people are getting to know Jesus. Blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those in affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves was comforted by God. For we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we, are afflicted, if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. 
And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same suffering as we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that you share in our sufferings. You will also share in our comfort. This is Paul writing what I was trying to say before. That when we have gone through suffering of some shape or form, the comfort Christ gave us through that is a comfort that we can share with the next people who are suffering. One, one person said something like, there's never one tear that's shed that didn't have some purpose. That notion of the Romans 8.28, that whatever happens to you as a believer will end some point. We can often we cannot see that immediately, but it will off always lead to something good and glorifying to God. Is it a problem if we never suffer? In Luke, Jesus says this Woe to you when all people speak well of you. For so did the fathers, for so their fathers did of the false prophet. But I say, to, but I say to you here: Love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. To the one who strikes you on the one cheek, turn also the other. The one who takes away your cloak, don't withhold your tunic either. In just a moment, we're going to just watch a short video, and I was uh, I was just reflecting on my own life when I became a Christian. When I was becoming a Christian, I was very immature, but I was very very open mouthed inside and outside the church. I told people what I believed. I think over time, society and all the things have shaped me, so my mouth has become closer. I'm trying now always to find the opportune moment. I'm just asking myself now, but have I become too much like society? Am I now unwilling to suffer for what I believe? I have two small examples of, I would say, rejoicing or great uh, moments of suffering. And I don't know, you can also think about that um, but there was one, I was, I had just been a Christian not that long ago, I went to a soccer party. And I was kind of maligned and a little bit of made fun of because I was believing. And a lot of people wanted just to talk to me and they didn't really like the notion of hell, so I had to try to explain all that, all that stuff. But going at home at three in the morning on my bicycle, was one of the times I felt most alive in the world, in my life. Because I got to share Jesus three or four times that night. And I was just so excited. It didn't matter that people didn't care, didn't believe me. I just got to share. Um, I forgot the other part. No, the other part, the, the other part I think I shared in church at some point was, I was out running in the hills with two people and then one, one guy says, hey, who's this, I see you're friends with this person that I'm also friends with. Um, yeah, I mean, we met through the church and stuff. And then we, it springs on a, a conversation about church. And so the two other people talk a little bit, and I, I share what I believe. And now a guy just says, I think you're crazy. And I'm like, well, 
all right. <laughs> but I was happy because now they knew what I believed. Um, so this is encouragement to all of us to live out our faith. Um, will you pray for us? That's just an encouragement to you. Um, just being thinking about Jesus' words, it's not good if everybody is just praising you. Because you are the light of the world. And there is darkness in the world, and the darkness will try to blow up your light and confront you. Sometimes I've listened to stuff like this, and you get nervous on behalf of yourself, your health, your family. Just remember, Jesus loves you and your family way more than you do. If he calls you to do something, he's with you. And will be with you. Don't go out and do stupid things just to do things. Bathe everything in a lot of prayer and ask God what He wants you to do and do it for His honor and glory that people will be set free. Don't suffer for being a jerk. Could be, could be this verse here. Don't suffer because you don't explain the gospel well. Don't suffer because you got an awkward personality and you just slam people. Don't suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or just meddling in people's business and you have no business. Some people would say, I'm persecuted. No, you're just a jerk on Facebook. Uh, don't suffer that way. So Peter says, do not be surprised. Again, don't be surprised when the fiery, fiery, fiery trial comes upon you to test you as something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in so far as you share in Christ's sufferings. That you may also be rejoiced and be glad when he is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed. Because the spirit of glory of God rests on you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or just a jerk. Let anyone who suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. Paul, Peter kind of just sums up all these things about it's an honor to suffer for Jesus. But just remember to suffer for Jesus and not because you are a jerk to people. That doesn't count. Okay, so why suffer for Christ? Back to the quote. If we want to experience all of what Jesus is, there's some things that are done through persecution. There's some things that are worked out in our suffering. Sometimes we sing songs about Jesus being the only thing. But if we got to be totally honest, Jesus is not the only thing in our lives. 
But sometimes in suffering, it's made clear that he is the only one who can do anything. Suffering does do something. Some things are worked out through our suffering. There, if, we, if I may just use Hattie's as an example, uh, she does it in her own book too. She knows God in a different way than we do because of her illness and her suffering with the MS. She knows that when she can't do anything, she knows that God is right there. Some of those things are worked out in our suffering. Some of the things in our character are worked out. And in the suffering, Christ is there. And He's the hope. I've been saying it lots, and in all of these verses that we read, the reason is Jesus. Why would I ever go out of my comfort to suffer? Why? Only because I know the worth that Christ had in my life. Because he, he showed me as an example. He showed me Almighty God. Everything was created through Him, for Him. He comes in as a little helpless baby. Lives a perfect life. Just think about the suffering, just living here with his family, with his, with his brothers and also just all the suffering that he went through just living here. He never did anything wrong. Then at some point, enduring the slander of his family, friends, the religious leaders, and finally being unjust killed on a cross, giving up his life for us. That's suffering. His father not answering on the cross. That's suffering. But it doesn't end there. Because he doesn't stay dead. Because he died and suffered for us. That we could be set free. That we could have his righteousness. We could stay with him. But he is asking us to expect to suffer. He's asking, if you want to be the greatest, then be the servant. If you want to see people get to know me, you have to risk for them, for my sake. So suffering, well, we see it even the passion of Christ. The word passion is suffering. The suffering of Christ is where we see the whole gospel. That we were dead in our trespasses and sins. And then Christ came to set us free. That's why we're invited into suffering. We might experience the fullness of who Christ is and who God is. I got some questions for you guys to think about this week. What does it mean to suffer for Christ? How can we partake in the fellowship of suffering? What is my heart like when I suffer? 
Do I suffer when God's heart is broken? Can, I, can suffering do something special, something good? Where do we see the suffering in the gospel of Jesus Christ? Is Christ more important than my comfort? Because the question is, do I suffer when God's heart is broken? Do I suffer with God when I see sin? Does my heart break when God's heart is broken? Do we, and I can say maybe in one more person that's not on here, do I enter into suffering with my fellowship? That was uh, the sermon.